Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stream of Thought here on Wari Desho. And we're now three episodes into Darjeeling in the Franks. Sorry, Darling in the Franks. So it had to be done. I mean, when you've got a name as silly as this for a show, you've got to start running with puns on it. But speaking of names, uh, let me introduce you to the gentleman who's co-piloting this um, stream of thought podcast with me here. It's not other than you know him, I know him. It's the Subtle Doxer. Feel the power of my magic. That'll get you arrested in certain <laughs> states. I'm sure of it. Don't 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 do that. Good old Dynasty Warriors three. <laughs> I I can't say I've ever played that. To be honest, <laughs> there's a fantastic like youtube clip reel of all the wonderful horrible english dub voice acting i'll send it to you it is is a thing of beauty is it something i should be playing rather than watching darling in the franks uh yeah i would say yes you'll laugh a lot more oh that's true that's true okay so darling in the franks episode three let the french toast flow freely it really should i love my french toast give me give me some good stuff I mean, Lord knows France needs some sort of great export apart from wine. <laughs> do you do you powdered sugar your French toast, or or just syrup, or how do you how do you do it? Do you fruit? Uh, I tend to be a syrup kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, I like a nice like sort of layer of powdered sugar on top, not too thick, but I, I need to see it. It needs to have, it needs to be some fallen snow upon the top of my French toast, and then lightly dip it in syrup. Served with bacon. Maybe a fried egg. All I could think of then when you were describing fine, like, white powder and snow was, uh, of course, some <laughs> Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> Did you have visions dreams of passion while eating this French toast, Stuck? That's, uh, that's served Miami style. Nice. Which is not what I'm referring to. <laughs> nice. Do you pay for your French toast for a credit card, by any chance? Is that how you cut it up? <laughs> okay, so Doc's, uh, Doc's hidden drug habits masquerading, as you know, French cuisine aside... Let's actually talk about episode three of Darling in the Franks. So how does it open? It opens with a flashback. And it's Hero again um, narrating the whole, you know, we're trapped in the nest kind of thing. All the bird analogies that we've heard previously. But we get to learn that Hero actually was, as a kid, in the orphanage that we mentioned previously, quite popular. 
Why was he popular, might you wonder? Well, it turns out that Hero had a predilection for giving people names. All of the kids who are in the orphanage, him, Ichigo, and the others, prior to Hero coming up on this idea of naming everyone, they all just went by their code names. So, you know, 005, can you let, you know, 009 play on the Xbox for five minutes, please? Was the going thing then, back in the orphanage. Didn't have names. No Tom, Dick, or Harry around there. So it turns out that Hero was the one who gave Ichigo her name, based on the numbers in her code name, so Japanese numbering pun, basically. And this led him to become quite popular. And after the OP, we then cut back to... Can, oh, sorry. Well, can I just say that, like, <laughs> Hero is sort of like... There's this shot of him in a date, a very sort of... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Are you thinking of the scene of him sat on the ca- like the little throne yeah. of cushions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's but the um not sedate like what's the word for very clean? Uh, sanitized. It's a very sanitized looking white room that uh he's in with all the kids, and they're in like sort of hospital gowny looking things, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And he's sort <laughs> he's sit sitting atop a pile of like pillows, like pointing at them, telling them like their names. It's like he's like. Adam naming oh. the beasts of the earth atop a pile of pillows. But, <laughs> it, just, it struck me as super hilarious. Now that you've said that he's Adam, oh fuck. Yeah. You could be onto something there. I don't He certainly is the one that cared about about naming, you know. We we learned that early on. Uh but <laughs> what what you think he could be like uh sort of a, the primordial man reincarnated or something? Oh, of course, it wouldn't surprise me at this point. I mean, we've literally got Eve as 002, who is all about temptation. She is going to tempt him into sin. And you know... Is she Eve or is she the, <laughs> is she the devil? Well, oh, I'm getting them mixed up, aren't I? I'm so sorry. Well, maybe a bit of both. Who knows? Yes, yes. This is coming from the people who, you know, put in all the Judo-Christian mythology word salad nonsense into Evangelion back in the day. I wouldn't put it past them. We're already blending in, like, bird metaphors and plant metaphors in here. Let's just throw in a bit of dash of Christianity as well. Give it some real spice. <laughs> I don't know if this has a super strong, like, hook into the lineage of Ava, but certainly that show will continue to influence anime for a long time to come. In in many ways, including, of course, as you say, the Judeo-Christian word salad symbolism and naming conventions. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. It would not. Okay, so, after the OP, and again, I was reminded second time around for seeing this, how good the OP is, like... I did include it in the previous stream of Paul, which I think might be a war crime. Although I don't know if I can because, of course, of YouTube copyright nonsense. Thank you very much. Well, uh, me, of course, Doc, of course, will discuss that affair. But anyway, take it from us. It's a, it's a banging tune, and it's very well designed visually as well. It's good. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I'm going to have to make the comparison again. It reminds me of Elf and Leeds OP, speaking personally, and that, that OP oh. that OP belongs to a better show. Well, okay, okay, yes. I I will see you that comparison, but no more. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, well, pink hair and horns, you know, sorry. Stop it. Stop it. Let's move on. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. So, after the OP, Hero bumps into Ichigo after he's had some sort of examination in which many lasers are danced across him to check that he's okay. And 
I mean, I think these lasers are broken because they obviously don't detect he doesn't have a brain between his ears. But, well, you know, it's the future and all that. <laughs> so they have a brief discussion in which it looks like Hero is about to apologise, but he gets stopped from doing so. Because, of course, in the previous episode, he was a... How do I put this politely? It's hard. A complete twat. There we go. Struggle to find the words there. A giant fucking D-bag. Yep. Who, like, I enjoyed, I have to say, the direction and the acting just in that brief scene there when you see the strain that exists between Hiro and Ichigo. Yes. It w- it was really cool. Uh, I liked the way that, that played out. And uh, yeah, I thought they nailed that scene. Yeah. In fact, jumping ahead a little bit, um, we'll get to it specifically, but I think that this episode really highlighted how great, generally speaking, the direction, the artistic direction as well, like the visual design, uh, the framing, mm-hmm. uh, positioning of characters, and also the music. The letterboxing. The, yes! The letterboxing, uh, amongst some things. They've done that every episode. They have. It, I, I don't quite know what the film technique is, that, or what the name for that technique is, rather, I mean to say. But they're certainly trying something different with making this show mm-hmm. visually distinct from its contemporaries. And that's great. I'm absolutely all down for neat visual design, neat direction, showcasing characters in different spaces to show like distance between them, you know, people operating at odd angles from each other to reflect they don't see eye to eye. You get all of that. It's just unfortunate it seems to be in the service of an effervescent nothing. <laughs> the the cheese puff of anime. Yeah. Or the quavers, I suppose, if you're British. <laughs> the what's it? <laughs> you're <laughs> This these might be this might be much more harmful for you than the cheese puff though. We'll see. Oh god. Well it's certainly harmful for one of the characters, that's for sure. But anyway, we'll get to that at the end. So after a brief discussion between um Mama was it Mama or Nana again? I can't remember. It is it is Nana. Nana. Which is uh I think which is also Japanese for seven. Dis- and, and you know, I, despite being sort of the familiar kind of term of endearment over here that we use for like caretakers, uh, grandma, like, you know, Nana. Mm-hmm. It was in that sense that, that at least I felt initially they were using the term because she was their caretaker. She was their guide. Uh, the, these, she was the caretaker of these flowers in the garden, right? Yep. But yeah, but it also means seven, I think. So weird. Rampant speculation. And now that you've said that, but would that possibly suggest maybe she was previously a pilot? Hmm. Hmm. We're rubbing dangerously close against, like, a big sort of issue I have with this episode in particular. Um, uh-huh. But we, we can we can hold off, but... Restrain thyself. But yeah, it might, suge- it might suggest that she <laughs> used to be a pilot, yes. Restrain thyself, Doc. Um, by what restrain myself, what comes next? Because this next scene actually caused me to pause the episode and scream at my TV because I just thought... I. It's always wonderful to me to watch a show in which we have a protagonist that we're supposed to sympathise with, that we're supposed to get behind and want to see them succeed. And after having shown them up to be an arsehole, uh, you know, there is always, of course, the opportunity for people to make amends, to apologise. And certainly Hero's window for doing so to Ichigo was not closed at this point. But then, (laughs) but then, but fucking then... He and Goro, Goro being Ichigo's partner, are having a discussion as they're walking across a bridge. And there are a couple of problems I had with this conversation. First off is that it's framed in such a way as that it's all about Hero. Like, 
Ichigo's actually weird. Isn't that strange? Like she's just she's too close to you, and I'm like, mm. um, did you like, like Goro? You're a partner. Her emotional well-being is actually important. Funnily enough, given it happens later, yeah, for for you know for you both to pilot the robot. So maybe you might want to take an interest in that and find out what happened and maybe be sympathetic to her cause rather than, you know, make it all about that twerp over there. So, okay. Nah. Black black mark <laughs> against him. Then, then, Hero says to Goro, oh, um, you're her partner. Could you tell her it wasn't her fault for me? <sighs> <laughs> I saw you tweeting about this. I know it made you angry. It's real dumb. It's fucking okay. Let me let me take the hyperbole away from it. Let what me, a jerk! <laughs> let me let me dial back my usual you know rancor, my usual vitriol here, and actually just explain truly what bothers me about this. All of the things that have happened in Frank so far that have painted Hero as a muppet and as a clown, I can put them down to him not knowing about you know, etiquette, social norms. Right, they're, right. They're, they're playing in a world that hasn't taught them these things. They don't even know how, like, what kissing is. I'm not even talking about having done themselves. Like, if they don't know what that is, what media are they consuming? Because you probably know, <laughs> know what that is from a very early age just from watching it on TV or reading about it. So Only state-run only state run media in this dystopia. Yeah, no, ki- <laughs> no kissing. It's just... No, no. Burnt, those books have been burned long ago. Yeah, no kissing. It's only patty cake, patty cake. <laughs> so, okay, I'm willing to make excuses for the show and dial back some of my anger about the way he acts because, one, it is important to remember that he is a kid. And I think that that's, a, again, a, a thing that a lot of people forget when dealing with characters of these age animes is they expect them to act like fully matured adults when they're on the path to becoming that. And in order to become a fully mature adult, you do sometimes have to make mistakes. Sometimes you act like a twat. Accidentally. And you learn, maybe not even immediately, but after the fact that you did wrong, and you will then either A, apologise and rectify what you've done to that person, or B, if that's no longer possible, you will learn and grow from it and advance as a person to try and prevent that from happening again. What we have here, though, is option number C, which is that Hero recognises he should probably, you know, someone should say to her that that's the case. But he passes the buck here to Goro. And what do, what do I even say to that? What do I even say? This He knows he's done wrong. He knows it's not her fault. And he outright thinks that the, a course of action should be made for us to be told that. Why is he not doing it himself? He had the opportunity to do so. And I'll admit he was interrupted. But why doesn't he then come back round to do that later? They have PDAs. They can message each other. Get a message over. Can we have two minutes? Have tell her. Done. That's it. All he needed to do. But nope. It's all about him. It's all about his fucking need to pass. It's all about him being a self-centered piece of shit. And I want him to fucking die. There we go. Job done. Did you ever play Mortal Kombat for the SNES? I can't say I did, but I'm curious as to where this tangent is going. Enlighten me, good sir. Well, so at the beginning of of that game, when they are showing, you know, this is a Midway game, you know, Iguanasoft or whatever made this, they show the sculptured software logo, and Goro walks in from off screen 
and slaps the fuck out of it, and it goes spinning off into the black horizon, and he roars and flexes. I have a feeling where you go with this. Go on. <laughs> During that scene, I just thought, wouldn't it be great if Goro here slapped Hero <laughs> through the domed roof and sent him flying into the wasteland? That would have been amazing. I would have settled for him punching him into the river that they were crossing. I would have been happy with that. Here's the th- here- here's the thing, right? I get the very strong impression at this point, and this is not even counting some other bits and bobs um, coming up in a minute, that this show has two attitudes that its characters take towards Hero. They worship the ground he walks on, or they treat him with disdain, but the disdain they treat him with is because they themselves are assholes, not because of any legitimate criticism they have. Like him on the, the pillow throne, you know, in the next scene, Ichigo still sticks up for him and says, like, he will be a great assistance to us if he can pilot. And I, I don't mind him being a jerk. Like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, a narrative failing, you know? Like, he's got some personal and interpersonal issues that will mean that he is not the best team member he can be. Uh, none of these guys are. Like, they're... I think it's could be setting up some interesting dynamics between all the pilots because they're all really shitty in their own ways i think or most of them the ones that we've mm-hmm. sort of seen have have these have big character flaws and yeah so when you mentioned like their relationship with hero i thought that was kind of a fascinating aspect to this episode like hero as like kind of a fallen savior in their eyes like when they were kids they you know and mitsuru goes on about this like blatant like he sort of is the i'm gonna stand up and say what you're all thinking sort of guy in this one where he says like we used to like think he was gonna save us he was special he would lead us to the promised land and like we've all seen him fail and fail and fail and it's time to give up hope on that and hopefully he'll get sent away because i don't want my my image of him tarnished anymore i don't want to see him like this anymore as a, a pale shadow of himself and I don't know. I, I kind of found that whole thing mildly interesting. And as a as 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 much of like, yes, hero, you're being a, a dick by not talking things out with with Ichigo. Like, I mean, I want him to. I just, it's not. It's just not a thing that I'm like mad at the show about necessarily. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think that maybe my grievance is more air from the fact that this is what we're being presented with, and there's not much else of substance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if I had something else to cling on to, some other character dynamic that was interesting, and we almost get that, funnily enough, with Goro and Ichigo, almost. Mm-hmm. But, of, mm-hmm. but of course, it then has to be about Hero again, as we'll find out later. We There's a little bit of um, Zorome and Miku. True. And also the aforementioned Mitsuru and Ikuno uh, setting up for some real good tension later. Oh boy, I can't wait to see that. Uh. <laughs> Rubbing my hands together out to see how those two relate to each other after he made a, an absolute ass clown of himself. Yeah, he's all, most of the men here are shit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I got a feeling like Goro. I it feels like he is putting on a nice face. Hmm. I, I've got a feeling that that deep down inside he might he might be. Um, how do I say? There, there might be some darkness that we get to see. Just a hunch. Maybe he's upset about the fact that Ichigo even piloted with Hero in the first place. Who knows? Could be, yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, I actually don't disagree with anything that you're saying, to be honest. I just... 
I want there to be more nuance to why he's acting this way beyond just simple mm-hmm. selfishness. Because that's all yeah. it comes across as to me. I mean, I, I get that he says, like, you know, that there's no purpose for him in this society if he can't pilot. Is that necessarily true, though? I'm not willing to necessarily take this at face value because we don't see anyone else go through that. Where are the, There are no washouts that we've seen so far. They're all dead. Well, okay, there's probably that. <laughs> there's probably that. Just to, this is a total guess. Like, no, you're you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. So all I have to root for him is the fact that he wants, because he wants something and he isn't getting it. And ironically, that appropriately sums up how a lot of kids and a lot of men and a lot of people in general tend to view sex. I gain it, but I deserve it. <laughs> so, uh, points the show, I guess? Maybe? I don't know. I'm confused now. I don't know I do- how to feel about this show. <laughs> I do have to say it does come off as a little, and again, this could just be his character, but um, a little inconsistent just because he is the boy that views people as people and not just numbers. He cares about them enough to name them, right? And so... You're right, actually, yes. Like, why then does he push off a very personal sort of responsibility. But, you know, this could just be what it's like to be a teenager. <laughs> you know, he might, he might have the co- the good core values and just fuck up and make a mistake. You know, it happens with everybody. True. And also, he wasn't, I assume when he was a kid, it wasn't known to him then that he was deficient. So mm-hmm. once that happened, that may have changed him. And then, then I suppose in that case, maybe it's on other, the other characters as well to have supported him better rather than mocking him for his impotence i don't know but we're three episodes in and we don't have enough meat on the bones here which is unfortunate did uh whenever he's riding the elevator uh after that first scene and people are you know talking over that scene Hmm. i don't is it the masked bishops i don't know the fucking star chamber is talking about him and you know they're saying like he's the only one who's ridden with her without taking damage and uh, then they refer to him as the special specimen. That's why I said, yeah. And I feel like you can't say the word special specimen without, like, sticking your hands forward and wiggling your fingers. <laughs> special specimen! Oh, so silly. I-, I know. That was the thing that got me mad last episode, because they played their hands too early in revealing that. Ironically enough... But anyway, that, I've discussed that, so we'll not waste more time. <laughs> Did you think about, like, when... So, it, Goro is, during the conversation you brought up, is is telling him, hey, you and Ichigo are almost like siblings because not too many people have the double-digit numbers. And so that, that scrapped my theory about that being a class thing. Like, I guess they were just early uh, flowers in, in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then he, so he's like, Hero kind of gets stuck on the word siblings, and it's like, yeah, siblings, yeah, yeah. And so it just makes me think, like, is that why you know he couldn't get it up <laughs> because it's like his sister? I, oh, I don't know. Oh, that's why they couldn't connect. I don't <laughs> like know. A pass. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just gonna phase out on that one because 
I think sometimes I think the way things are with this show's like you know approach to sex and particularly its heteronormativity right now is bad enough already that we don't want to start the potential like you know theme of incest in this as well. Let's not have that happen. Well, here's the combustible thing that they throw out there talking about things that you shouldn't play around with: plantations. Ugh. I mean, mother of fuck, like. I understand, and there's going to be, like, I know people listen to this are, are going to be like, oh, it's just a word, like, it originally is just like a farm. Like oh, the, God, the I know what Literal textbook definition means blah, blah, blah. But look, look, right? Words have connotations. They have meanings, and they carry weight with them very often that is, you know, apart from dictionary definition and Mm -hmm. this is one of those and look i but i am aware right that this is a japanese production yeah and they might not be familiar with the history so that's fine i actually don't think that they mean anything related to american slavery or the civil war or the american south like i don't think any of that is in this but god what a fucking like molotov cocktail (laughs) like this show that is just has all this, like, racy, like, sex stuff in it. Let's just throw the word plantation in there. (laughs) Like, that can make for some really interesting readings about who's tending this garden and all of the things that could be implied therein. Uh, But the moment you said plantation, then I was like, I know where this is going. And the the thing is, right, to, to go back to the whole to the show's um, vocabulary, to go back to its terminology. I still don't have the second idea why they have all these terms. Like, we're mixing in burn metaphors with plant metaphors here for some reason. Does that mean that they want to become real animals as opposed to plant... Where where is this this going? What is this in service of other than to make it seem more verbose than it needs to be? Don't think about that. Look over here, here's another metaphor. Speaking plain fucking English sometimes, guys. It's all I ask. Here's a personification. Simile. Not to mention that having thought about it, the plant thing is actually all a bit false anyway, because you want to... um, Depending on the plant, a lot of the times you'll need, you know, insects to, you know, fertilize them. You know, spread pollen around. So are there any bees Mm -hmm. in this? Like, how far do I have to take this ecosystem that they, like, of terms that they built up? Are we going to have bees in here? Yeah, like, uh, where... (laughs) At what point does the metaphor cease to become useful? <laughs> uh, right about when it started, because I have no idea what point it served so far. <laughs> I genuinely don't. I honestly could think I could find and replace all of the plant-related terminology, with the exception of the Franks' names, for something else, something more normal, standard, or whatever. Are the robots the nectar, or are they powered by the nectar? Oh, fucks if I know, mate. <laughs> I, have, I have a point about the robots that so we'll come back to later, but... Okay, okay, to pick up where we left off. So, after Hero has spoken to Goro, he goes to an elevator and finds 002 in this giant, like, empty room area. And I like this scene for a couple of reasons. Yeah. I like the framing of it to show that they're two very small people in a bigger world. Like, there's... You know, the shot is, like, from very long distance. It's just her sat down against the elevator shaft while he comes on over... 002 is always welcome to have back, of course. And what then follows is that she says, okay, I've been waiting for you. Come with me. Let's go. And he's like, where are we going? Oh, where are we going? And I'm like, dude, you've had her on your mind. Maybe not even for her sake, but for your own. 
since the moment you met her. And now she's inviting you somewhere. Don't be a doofus. Don't be dense. Play it smooth. Just roll with it. You can't even do that, of course. So, no. the next scene, though, I, I found this funny. So, He's about as smooth as the surface of the Grand Canyon. This guy. <laughs> okay. So, the next scene, though, I've, I found this scene really funny for a number of reasons. And mostly because they're plot holes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is the scene in which 002 drags Hero through a corridor and he gets stopped by a force field. The force field mm-hmm. only lets you through if you've got a, a pass of a certain rank. So you can't go wandering around the, you know, this installation willy-nilly. Okay, first couple of points. 002 has been established, likes to run away a lot, and her handlers don't generally want her to, you know, run around freely. So why does she have an S-rank pass that allows her to guess anywhere that she wants? I got nothing for you. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. yep. I, yeah, no idea. No idea, except that maybe a person much higher than the middle management has good reason for her to be able to move about freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I'm totally leaving that pause in unedited in the cast. Oh, please do, yes. Yeah, I may potentially put crickets in it, or possibly mm-hmm. just someone coughing, depending on how I feel. Yes, oh. a tumbleweed sound. <laughs> yeah. So, next point. <laughs> someone coughing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Okay, so next point I have. So this force field can be defeated by someone tailgating or coming through at the same time as someone with a ranked... I mean, what flimsy security? <laughs> I, I mean, I enjoyed her, like, literally dancing with him through that. I, I like that. That was really cute. I like that personality touch. But I can't get past the fact that this security is worse than the turnstiles on the London Underground. You have less chance of dodging fares taking the Docklands Light Rail in London... Then you do get through that force field as long as you pop through at the right time. A metal turnstile with about a quart, <laughs> like maybe costing about two hundred pounds, would have stopped Hero dead in his tracks. <laughs> Just fuck my life. This is the thing about Whoa. a lot of future settings: is that the future often makes things shit. Laser guns are shit in the future because they don't kill everything in the first hit. You'd think that a laser gun would be better than a, you know, a regular rifle or a pistol. Nah. You'd assume. You'd assume. <laughs> How many times have I watched Star Trek where I've seen a main character get shot in the shoulder with a with a phaser rifle or whatever, and it should have left them as just a pile of smoking dust. All it does is bruises them like they've been hit with a BB gun. So, yeah, this security system is crap. I would not use it to secure my dog from getting out at night. <laughs> Make sure your dog has a has only a B-rank collar. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like that, actually, if in this universe they did have dogs with, like, little collars on, like... There's no actual, like, metal plate or anything with their name on it. It's just their name tag is on, like, this little holographic display. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Make dogs pilot the Franks. They don't have any trouble getting it on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But the next thing I have to say about this scene is that after they actually pass through this and come out the other end... Do you want to know where they end up that's so secret, so secure, that, you know, no one could just casually walk why in? Is this, why is this locked away by the gate? It's a, <laughs> it's a balcony overlooking the city. That's it. Oh, boy. What the fuck mm. was the point of all of that? Who can say? I mean, there's, like, things you could 
throw out there as possible excuses, but um, it does seem a little funny. I I don't even have any. <laughs> it's words. nothing top secret. It's just a balcony. Yeah. So it's it's a but, it's a security force field that probably is incredibly power intensive and much more complicated than a regular turnstile or gate, and it can be bypassed by someone simply walking through at the same time with someone else with a crep pass, and it's guarding Jack Diddley shit all. Did you think that Zero Two was going to walk out onto the, what is that, like the, the pole or the front of the, the, the narrow kind of walkway and just scream, I'm the king of the world? That could not help it because it looked like the front of a ship. No, I'm, no, <laughs> I'm going to go one better than that. I'm going to say, kill me, hero. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dog in the Franks episode three. Let's go. I am right over here. So come and kill me. I knew I'd get another oh. chance to throw in it. Good to win Insert breaks. that into this podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. I cannot be oh, fucking Jesus. stopped. I will make as many Gundam Wing references in this as I possibly can. <laughs> I like that scene, though. Like, yes. when they're actually on the balcony. Yes, me too. The visual design of the city. A bit surprisingly deus ex human revolution with the color scheme. Very, although more, um, mm-hmm. orin- more orange and... Um, amber colored as that was also as i mentioned on twitter in case you missed it uh giant pg tips kettles <laughs> i mean it is it is a giant robot future so i'd imagine they do have giant mugs of tea but it all looks good it's a good looking city it reminded me of a game that fewer people played than deus ex <laughs> tales of exilia has some really beautiful city skylines and nighttime cities that have a lot of that like sort of how do you say like loot that very like how would you describe that lighting like just that say like it's a lot of black but then a lot of like very distinct like amber lighting then there was a city in zillia with that was had that amber lighting there was a city that had more of a like aquamarine kind of lighting with it like it just very um I don't know. It's it's an image that I often think about when I think of like future cityscapes. Hmm. So in this conversation, there's brief discussion, you know, about being trapped, about how there's no oceans or no sky here. Double O Two does indeed, as Doc mentioned, walks up to the pole that sticks out from this balcony, and heroes are like, "Wait, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "Why is that even there? <laughs> what the fuck is that thing? If it's not the front of a..." seafaring vessel it was from the same company that actually you know made the security barrier they just passed through <laughs> so, i'm gonna i'm gonna call this company superfluous shit incorporated point being um after some nice acrobatics which for some reason reminded me of the major from ghost in the shell specifically standalone complex hmm. 002 actually says to hero like i'll take you away from here if you want but then she says just kidding at the end so okay never mind just kidding you're stuck here tough shit well, that was a get out of jail free card mm-hmm. for her. She, I think she, I mean, she really means it. She really means she can take him away. Ah. But in case, in, in case he doesn't want to, or in case, like, so she won't get in any hot water, or like I said, that he's not really thinking in those terms right now, or unwilling. Like, she has the qualifier. Just kidding. At the end, after a long pause, but uh, but yeah, that's one of those things where. You say I'm joking, even though you weren't actually joking, just to, you know, paper over awkwardness or whatever in the conversation. She's never really come across to me, though, as being sincere. Like, she takes things way too lightly to... I don't know. She's still a bit of an enigma. She's a, a pinball. She's a... Her personality is a, is a ping pong ball. 
bouncing around like yeah she can be like very cold she can be cutting she can be bossy she can be sin- she, she can seem very sincere and like heartfelt toward hero very, like almost tender towards him at times like can very like devil may care like yeah she's um she's all over the place uh but in a good way i think mm-hmm. okay so enough egregious bullshit though something needs to be we need to get something underway it needs to be action and so the group of parasites have a mission so they gather up all of them including hero and turns out there's a claxosaur nesting inside a magma vent uh, which is this kind of borehole outside the city and they're going to be sent out to go and get it. It's like their first proper mission as pilots. There are four robots in total. Now, Stralsia, I apologize for mispronouncing that, which is, of course, 002's robot, is not going with them on account of the... I... <sighs> Does it... You know, right? When it comes to, like, you know, <laughs> rules and regulations and what must be done and all that. Hero says, okay, why don't I go with 002 in Stralsia to help them out? Why do I do that? And they say, you are not a proper parasite pilot, we can't let you do that. Okay, couple of points. First off, this is their first mission and they have no person in charge, or generally speaking, someone who knows what they're doing, going down there with them. It's nope. just the, it's just them. <laughs> they have no teacher, no mentor, nothing like that. Ostensibly, this should be a simple mission of killing this one tiny little claxosaur that's not bigger than a Frank's. So it's nowhere near as dangerous as the one that Strelizia dealt with her, you know, so. But in my opinion, it can't hurt to have her there just watching. Now, what's what's the complaint they've got here? Oh, well, Hero, Hero was, you know, he was, he's not trained properly. I'm like, who cares? You've seen firsthand what happens when Strelizia is piloted by 002 and Hero. It works. It works really damn well. So just send them down there. It'll be boring as fuck for them, but at least they've got backup in case they need it and someone who can handle themselves. Because these kids are going in there for the very first time. It's all been training up to this point. They've not fought any Klaxosaurs. So what if something goes wrong? Wink, wink. Well, you know, you know, dystopia is like, this is a very authoritarian regime and discipline is paramount and... The Star Chamber has not decreed that Hero and O2 may fight together, so they may not. Who is physically going to stop them, though? There was only Nana. I suppose N- Nana and Mr. Crewcut on the other side of the <laughs> Mr. monitor. Mr. Crewcut. They could have just walked out. I mean, I would have laughed if, like, you know what they could have done then, believe it or not? Zero Two could have just led them down this S-rank pass-only corridor, taking Hero through and get them to call the other side of the barrier. Yeah, I guess she doesn't want to, like push it and have them be separated oh i don't i don't even know you know like that the society might pull them apart uh if they push too hard maybe i mean that that's that's a theory but i did like it when she went nose to nose with nana <laughs> that was great yeah 002 actually appears at this point and i liked also the framing of this in that she's at one side of the room and the rest of it the other showing that they've you know got different mindsets you know that she's not part of that group she's a separate person running by her own clockwork but yeah mm-hmm. she does indeed stand literally Head to head with Nana, like saying, "Are you going to stop me? I want to ride my darling." Simple as. Uh... Oh my god, I love it! I love it. But no, no, she's not going out there. And there's like that great, like, I'm sorry, you're probably going to get to this, but this is where the some of the letterboxing techniques come into play. Like, and even more so than just letterboxing, like they do this almost comic book style thing where yes, they show Zero Two's eyes shifting over, and that that's kind of in a bo- in a rectangular box like yeah in a, 
sort of off-center location on the screen. Uh, and then I think they show Hero's back, and that takes up only about half the screen, and the other yes. half is just black. Those are those are some really some neat visual techniques that draw your eye to different things in the scene. The direction is top-notch. The, the, I cannot fault the way the show looks or the way it sounds. The the music that was playing over the briefing scene, I thought, was excellent. Mm. Proper proper future music, that. It, uh, yes. it suited the mood really well. Low-key, building boop, up tension. Boop, beep. We are in the future. Beep-boop, beep-boop. Boop-beep-boop, beep-boop. This is the briefing. Do-do-do. One zero zero one zero zero one. I think we've got a career ahead of us, Doc. Do you reckon double... <laughs> what, what do you reckon? Double or triple platinum? Oh, uh, I reckon we get sued for probably stealing jokes from Flight of the Concords, which is what I just did. <laughs> I, do have to, uh, I do have to say that everything would be improved if Bowie was in space. I mean, put Bowie in front. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, it would. I mean, to I, be, I mean, to be fair, Frank's is the one show I would expect in which, you know, one's nipples would be used as radio antennas to you know, transmit data back to Earth. <laughs> I was waiting to get that reference because it's one of my favourite bits from Flight of the Concords. Oh, Concords. man. So good. Ah. Okay, let's talk about the robots. So, of the four robots that do go out, one of them does not. I don't remember the name of it, but it's the one piloted by Mitsuru and his partner. Yeah. Uh, what was and, his partner's uh, Ikuno. name? Ikuno. Ikuno. Mm-hmm. I- Ikuno's not feeling it, so they don't get started. Just, just give me a minute. I can get there. Yeah, again, nope, it's pointless. Again, not happening. By the way, the 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 ranking, the ongoing rankings I have of chief asshole on this fucking show full of assholes. Zorame, you know, had it for a couple weeks, but he's been surpassed by Dickface Mitsuru. Oh Jesus! What a piece of shit. We'll we'll get to him in a moment. But one thing I wanted to ask you is this, Doc. So, at one point in this episode, we see a, a scene of Hero in a training robot doing, stro- like, using a training halberd in this, like, daydream kind of thing. It looks like a thing that you use to stir butter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's going to stir one of those giant pots of tea that's out in the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. get, get some Earl Grey going. But this, Go on. this led me to have a question. Why is it necessary for the Franks to have two pilots if you can have a robot such as the one that Hero has, that's only piloted by one. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I, I, can, I can hear the rustling of paper. This is it. Buckle up, folks. Shit's gonna go down. Like, y- yes. I mean, we have seen that limited, smaller machinery can be piloted by just one person. We've not been given any indication uh, as to why the Franks themselves need two pilots. We can infer maybe some things from the fact that when it was just Zero Two piloting Strelizia, Strelizia, yes, Strelizia, you know, it was feral until Hero onboarded and became humanoid. But whatever, we're, we're inferring a lot. That is a mystery. Do you want to know my biggest mystery, though? Like, the thing that I, after this episode, was like, wait a minute. Why the fuck is this happening? Do you want to know? Lay it on me, Doc. All right. Why aren't adults piloting robots? Mm. Why fucking kids? Mm. Right? So this is this is a blind spot, I feel like, that we as anime fans have. I feel like they can serve us a show of kids piloting robots, and we just kind of... And, and I didn't either. Like, I just didn't question it for a while. But I was thinking this episode, like, you know, like, they, there's usually some kind of in-universe reason 
as to why. There was with Ava. You know, it, there was with Ava, there was with Die Buster, you know, frontal lobe development and all that. Ava, the um, the plugs and the, what's in those plugs and the relationship to the kids. But there's absolutely, we've been given no reason why the stamens and um, pistols have to be teenagers. No, I'll buy a girl. That, no, absolutely, yes. We've been, we totally have been down that, that road, but that's still, like, yes, a thing. But, like, yeah, I feel like there's, the out-of-universe reason is, of course, is because this shit sells, right? This is well, anime, the demographics and all that. But, like, but why in-universe does it well, have to be kids? Wasn't 002's original pilot an adult? Like, the, the guy that she was with who died in the first episode? He still didn't look like a kid. Yeah. No, he did not. Gosh, that's right. But she's, like, a, like a fucking anomaly. She's, like, off the board, you know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe it will be explained later. Or, like you said, on other plantations, <laughs> adults are are doing it, you know. Um, oh, sure they are. But, yeah, but, like, this mission seemed so dangerous, even though it was, like, a small thing, right? They they kind of couched it as, like, this will be, like, training for bigger Klaxosaurus. Like, their lives were on the line, and they're just a bunch of fucking kids. And there's no reason why that kids are out there doing that. But maybe we're not supposed to think too hard about it. Well, let me offer a, a thought for you there. 002 has a line of dialogue in which he says, all of this plantation's defenders will be killed again. So you remember how I said at the be- in episode one, I was a bit... Sus- oh, you're right. I was a bit surprised like about how there was no one else ready to like defend the city ah yeah there literally is not which is staggering you have no contingency (laughs) they can't afford to like send over any other season troops (laughs) they're stretched then i mean let's take this whole thing with you know the franks being a metaphor for sex to its logical conclusion what if the kids had not hit puberty yet and that meant they couldn't start the robots and they had no one else what were they gonna do then Oh, that's interesting. But what? But what about Nana? What about Mister Crewcut? Stick them in the in the Franks. I don't fucking. This is the thing. Like, we don't have explanations for half the shit. We should at least have hints about. I mean, you know what's funny, right? I started playing Iconoclast yesterday. Woohoo! And you, of course, have got to have been past the underwater rebel base, mm-hmm. where we learn about their religion. You know, procreation, the gift of life, and all that. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't that have been something like that here? I wouldn't have even needed it to be a literal reason for why they do it. Make it a religious reason. Make it a, you know, a ritual, a ritualistic thing. This is the bonding yeah. of man and woman because there are so few of us left, and it's only truly in living that we can prevent death. I don't fucking know. Give mm. us something. Yeah, like that's. I think the a part of our frustration, and I know that there are people that get frustrated at us for demanding these things of the show. I think it would only take a few lines of dialogue here and there. That's all I you know? ask. Like it wouldn't. It wouldn't take a whole. We we're not even at this point. I don't think asking for a lot of imagery and taking up valuable resources, drawing like the history and everything. Like maybe maybe just some dialogue. I'm not asking for the open university course on fucking Darling in the Franks and its backstory. <laughs> I'm not asking for a lecture here. The friend the Franks are really in like. A companion volume. I'm doing a podcast on this. I'm not swinging my fucking thesis here, but I do want something. And I'll tell you what, right? To people who are like saying, well, what did you expect? Or, you know, we're expecting too much from it. I'm not asking for anything more than the bare minimum here that I would expect from any show. 
and shows that I've seen Trigger do before. Like, Kill the Kill. Within three episodes, I knew exactly what was going on. Ryuku wants to get revenge for her dad, and she's going to kill the fuck out of Satsuki to do it. But in order to do so, she's got to get past her cronies first. That was established in the first episode. I had a concrete character's motivation. I was behind her all the way. I don't have a fucking clue what's going on here. Like, in the wider world. The Klaxosaurs in this episode are mentioned more as a pest than anything else. They're no different than cockroaches. Mm. Are they Are they a threat sufficient enough to have caused this end of the world thing that's going on where we're all living in dome cities? They'd seem like an afterthought at this point. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Well, they seem dangerous, but, but yeah. I mean, our point of view is not unlike maybe the kids' point of view. Like, they clearly don't have all the information. Perhaps the writers are trying to evoke that sense, right? Like put us in the position of one of the one of the flowers in the garden, so to speak. Oh, so we're going down the lost route. Great. <laughs> I really don't care for mystery for mystery's sake. It might be revealed later, but but maybe they just don't want to share something with us that the kids don't know. Yeah. Or even then I'd be happy for an explanation that turns out to be torn down later as a Yeah, hook. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything. Mm-hmm. At the moment, honestly, a lot of what's being put in place in Frank's, like the fact that it's kids, the fact that there's so much sex-related stuff, and certainly some of the angles of what happens to... What was his, Zarame's partner in it again? I can't remember. Miku. Miku. What happens to Miku in a bit with Oof. the way that's framed? This honestly comes across to me as not being made with the intent to give us a message other than, here's some silly stuff. Yeah. Could could be. Could be. And, okay. Fine. But in which case, the show probably should go in a bit more on that. This is what I said previously about the fact that the positions are all doggy. That was half joke, but there's a grain of truth in that, that if you are going to be this silly and absurd, maybe actually try and be more silly and absurd to the point where it's genuinely entertaining as opposed to being frustrating. Mm-hmm. Ha- have a defined focus and a defined purpose on what you want to be. Do you want to be serious post-apocalypse teenage drama with robots? Or do you just want to be silly, light-hearted comedy romp in which, you know, we make all the sex jokes and all that shit. I don't know where Frank's currently falls. I mean, to get ahead of ourselves, they find the Klaxosaur. They, because they're kids, don't properly kill it, even though they're instructed on how to do so. And Zarame is like, you know, hey, I've got this, I'm the best. The Klaxosaur comes back to life, latches Facehugger style onto the Franks and starts beating it hard to death. And this causes Miku's controls to shot out, and she basically has an orgasm. That's what it came across as to me. Is that what happened? I, That's I what wasn't. It, lo- it really looked like that to me. I mean, mm. you got electricity going around, she freaks out. It's like, ah! I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Never mind that she if. Passed out. Never mind <laughs> that it's also great to see that that particular Franks was programmed with a glass jaw. That that's all that was needed to knock it out of commission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. I mean, if they can't handle this little pipsqueak popcorn bursting fucking Plaxasaur, oh. how the fuck are they going to handle one of the bigger ones that Australasia took out single-handedly? I know. <laughs> fucking I know. hell. These are the people defending one of the bastions of humanity, and they can't even do pest cleanup. <laughs> if these people... If these people were starting out in Skyrim, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to kill the rats in the first fucking dungeon. Oh, I'm God. boggled by this shit, I swear. What What did you think of the fact that, like, the robot's mouth only moves when the ladies talk? Um, Find anything? Is it just sort of a cool thing? Or, I don't know, like, I thought it was neat. I don't know if it means anything. I just, it struck me as kind of neat. Well, 
to be fair, Ichigo is also the one who takes the lead on a lot of the tactical decisions on this. I mean, she makes a hash of it, but she's still given the responsibility of that. So the women seem to be doing mm-hmm. some semblance of, like, you know, thinking as opposed to the guys who are doing the actual movement. I, I don't know. At this point, as so much of else, it's all just misted shadows. It's all obscured behind whatever grand vision they've got for this show. As opposed to being doled out bit by bit as... How do you think the robots look? I really actually like the robot designs, even though I think that Zara mm. robot is a bit too daft looking. Like, it's, <laughs> not... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so funny how, like, this little fucking yelping dog, like, this sort of bundle of machismo and masculinity and braggadocio has that robot. <laughs> it's incredible. He doesn't mind it. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with that, but it has giant pigtails yeah. which are there for ostensibly no reason other than to be there i don't know something seemed a bit weird about it i particularly like the gray colored one with the giant like russian trench coat though and the yushanka hat <laughs> that's a great it looks like one of the it's like one of the characters in um violinist of hamlin the pianist with a unnecessarily large hat no he was the uh, uh, giant robot version of the heavy from team fortress 2 <laughs> It costs twenty Man. million dollars to fire this Franks for nine seconds. <laughs> <laughs> what came out of that gun, by the way? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, don't even. White goop. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Maybe, maybe, maybe my brain like just autonomously stopped me from thinking about that. I honestly can't decide if I like the robots or not. I'm on the fence. I think that some of them are alright. I think that Delphinium, which is Ichigo's robot, is quite cool looking. Hmm. The grey, as I say, the grey Russian one, that's great. Uh, Strelizia looks great. Yeah, I do like that one. I, I think sure. I think that on the whole, the robot designs are pretty good. And much as with everything else, all of it looks and great and sounds great. It's just in service of, well, to be Franks. No. Oh. oh. Sorry. I'm being childlike, but that's only because the show is being childlike as well, and I felt to return the favour. Okay, so, obviously, as you've already inferred, a fine audience of ours, shit hits the fan really hard. Turns out there's not just one tiny little, uh, you know, popping plaxasaur piece of shit down there. There's maybe dozens of them. There's an entire nest of them. And these plaxasaur were apparently attracted by the magma-like empowered weapons that they were using, which I found a bit funny because I thought, okay... So you sent the robots down there with these weapons to kill Klaxosaur, knowing that they would attract more Klaxosaur, but you didn't tell them that that might happen. But you knew exactly what the cause was as soon as it happened. What? It 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 did feel very orchestrated. Even the fact that this was given to them as their first mission. Yeah. But don't worry, it's not a real mission. Maybe it's that just, was a test. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a test, I don't know. So everything, but the thing is, this test is going to get them killed because, of course, Miku is right. knocked out. They then eventually nearly get overwhelmed, try to stop the um, Klaxosaurus from breaking through a metal door that they've sealed behind them. But Ichigo at this point has momentary thoughts of Hero and how things have gone wrong and she starts doubting herself. Because she learns that Strelizia is coming yep. and she thinks it's Hero, but it's not. It is not, it's though. It's Mitsuru, yeah. that piece of garbage. Yeah. Poor Ikuno, can I just say that she seems like, you know... A, a very nice, like, down-to-earth, straightforward young lady. Seems totally cool. But man, this fucker, just like, when when they are, are not connecting, and he's like, hey, 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 we, maybe we have compatibility problems. 
And they're like, ah, you know, I mean, this happens to some parasites. Like, I'm not going to split you up just for that. Really? Man, what a fucking bummer, dude. And then he, you know, jumps on the opportunity to pilot Strelizia with Zero Two. And it just has this, like, mad ridiculous like rant over the public (laughs) airways that everyone can hear like Mm -hmm. saying how he's better than hero heroes nothing i thought they all heard it i thought that was no he he was talking and then it cut to hero looking down and the audio was still playing and he was like gritting his teeth and wincing because the words hurt and then in the background poor ikuno mm. when he ah, was yes. like i'll just be your partner from now on fuck her and she's just like you could tell like just devastated yeah like, done nothing wrong and yeah this guy's asshole number one i'm so happy that what occurred occurred to him he needed to be dr- brought down a peg yeah the thing is right mitsuri's actions actually wouldn't be an issue if he had framed them in such a way as a different. Uh, sorry, framed them in a different manner. Because the reason that he ends up piloting with Double O Two is because of the fact that if they don't send Strelizia down there, all of the others are dead. That's it. Brown bread. Fox. Game over. You name it. But of course, they're not willing to let Hero go with Double O Two, despite the fact that they know a that Double O Two devours people alive practically in the cockpit, and that b hero has survived that unscathed and that c when they did actually pilot together previously they defeated a much larger klaxosaur without too much difficulty so they decided to you know put one of their you know one of their parasites at risk by putting him in with 002 when they could have just sent hero because the rules say so i mean now because what happens is as you all probably have guessed strelizia goes down kills all the fucking klaxosaurs without much difficulty but then because Mitsuru's like boasting in chest bump, like, I'm the, I'm the fucking best me, I'm buying this robot, and I'm going to be Ben Hero. I'm like, 002, of course, says, oh, cool, I can co- I can go all out then if you're up for it. And he's like, wait, what? And well... Because he's like, while he's saying this, like sweating, and you can tell he's like, it's really intense for him. He's having to put everything into it. And it turns out like this is just a teensy-weensy, itty-bitty bit of Zero Two's, uh, you know, full effort. She hasn't started to cut loose at all. Yep, and so she does. Just to speak briefly about the direction, by the way, we still do not get a proper look into the cockpit or the way things are nope. arrayed of Strelizia, which, again, I really like. Yeah. They're keeping that close to the chest. We don't see what 002's out. Like, is she laid out similarly to, you know... I'm gonna the... guess no. I'm guessing no. <laughs> I'm gonna guess she's the one in the dominant position. <laughs> yeah. And the boy is on all fours. That's my guess. Or maybe she's straddling him. Maybe he's at, maybe when we see him, he's, maybe we Sam, he's actually lying on his back. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I like that. So when they eventually bring Strelizia out, because they have to forcibly shut Strelizia down from a distance, 002 comes out of the cockpit, waves at Hero, and he somehow, through, I don't know, black <laughs> magic, manages to see all the way up from there to inside the cockpit. Black magic! <laughs> Here's another point where you could insert, feel the power of... My magic! Yeah. But he manages to somehow see all the way up to Strelizia's cockpit and inside of it at an angle that's utterly impossible. And Mitsuru is barely alive. He's covered in bruises, drool, blood. He's a husk. So whatever happens when Strelizia is piloted with 002, the person they're with, well, they suffer for it pretty badly, as is quite evident. 
Okay, so here's the thing. One other point I need to make about this. Regarding not sending Hero. Now, I don't like Hero, but as far as I'm concerned, the only sensible option in this scenario was to send him out with Strelizia. Because it's it's been proven. And do you want to know what the other consequence of them putting Mitsuri in there, knowing full well that he was going to get maimed like that? If they now need to fight again, he's out of action. You need two to tango in a Franks. And since he's out, his robot with Akuno, that's now no longer operable. So they're now down one Franks for the foreseeable future until he recovers. Good job. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but all your rules be damned. You have all the evidence you need to suggest that maybe you should let him go with 002 to save his friend's lives. And you decide not to do that and actively put one of your other team members at risk. And now your staff unit is underpowered as a result because one of them is critically injured and could very well be dead. And if he's dead, well... Let's hope so. Whatever. If he's <laughs> if he's fucking dead at this point, you are now down one robot for the foreseeable future. And granted, the Klaxosaurs don't really come across as a great threat, but let's assume they just all suddenly come out of the ground one day and decide they want to go chomping down on Plantation 13. You are up shit creek without the fucking paddle because you're incompetent, rule-following nitwits. Ah, oh, give them a prize. No. They don't deserve anything <laughs> but my scorn. They don't deserve Jack Diddley shit. So... Basically, what we've learned from this episode is that everyone apart from 002 and maybe each going at a push is useless. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I grant you that. What a fucking great third episode. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've said, we've said before, we've said before numerous times, and this is a thing that goes around in anime circles, you give a show the free episode, you know, cut off yeah. point. We're still going to keep going because I want to see how the Fire Rabbit Hole goes. I'm now like full on primed, like to sharpen my knives and go full Gordon Ramsay on this piece of shit. But, and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. I'll have a good laugh doing it. But to come to the end of this episode, I have to say that with what we've been given so far, it's not nearly cheesy or silly or campy or sexy enough to be interesting in that side of things. It still takes itself a bit too seriously to be treated as a, as that kind of thing, where you can take it as a fun ride. And on the opposite end of the scale, we don't get nearly enough little nuggets of information to make us understand why the way things are as they are. That has not changed one iota since the last episode. The characters, I, I, I'm i not as against Mitsuru's actions as I am heroes because Mitsuru, I think, is trapped in that, you know, competitive boy attitude. Like I said before, kids have to sometimes make mistakes to learn from them and maybe this will change him when he recovers. But Hero, he recognised that maybe someone should apologise to, you know, Ichigo or make her feel better. But he's not going to do it himself because he's too fucking up his own arse to do it. So most of the characters are useless. It's awkward. I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, it's like I said on Twitter. No wonder he's so shit at part the Franks because he clearly has no fucking balls. <laughs> Touché. So most of the characters are, are wasters. The adults in charge seem so fucking stuck to the rules that they can't recognise what's immediately in front of them. And now they've... Well, if they ever played XCOM, they wouldn't get past the fucking first tier. XCOM, Frank's edition. <laughs> Frank's com. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. So yeah, none of the characters are likable with the exception of 002 and maybe a push Ichigo. But the show's not about Ichigo. It is about 002, but all she's really doing at the moment is being in the 002 show. Hmm. I don't I don't know what her character motivation is. What like she wants to be free, but what steps is she taking towards that? What does she mean by that? Like, does she mean to get away from her handlers permanently? I, I don't have a fucking clue. 
I'm not asking again for the shows who have revealed everything at this point. That's silly. I mean, one of my favourite shows in anime of all time is Steinsgate, and that show's startup is glacial. Oh boy. You don't really hit the ground running until about the midway point of it, and then it just completely kicks into high gear. And, you know, I'll be fair, maybe Franks will do the same. But I'm just saying that for shows like this, we have previously had much more information by now on what's going on. Macross Frontier, I knew what the character relationships were. I knew what Alto wanted, I knew what Cheryl wanted, I knew what Ranker wanted, I wanted to see them succeed. I knew what the threat was. I saw the threat be actually threatening to the common person. There were people fucking dying there and they took time to show us that there were consequences to these attacks and why the way things were they were. I can think back to Kill the Kill and I can immediately think I knew by episode 3 exactly exactly what Ryuko's motivation was and why I should care about it and it didn't stop it didn't stop me from caring that on even as things changed or I can think back to Ava even though I don't from memory really like Ava that much and again I'm going to give it a rewatch to see if my mindset on that has changed I at least understood here's a threat we've got to deal with it now this is what's necessary for us to deal with it and I could see it affecting ordinary people I don't feel any tension with this going on. Like, when they said the Klaxosaurs were down there, I honestly thought, like, you know, this was just clean-up. It's going down to the sewers to go whack a couple of rats. It's just, unfortunately, one more of them than they expected. I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm genuinely confused as to what the hook is meant to be in this show right now. What's the thing that me- is meant to keep people watching? If it's if you say 002, that's the best answer you're probably going to be able to give me, but yep. I'm terribly sorry to say that that is not enough. She's a fine character. She's great. I, I, I think she's easily the best part of this show. And I wish that she wasn't, you know, firstly tied up with this fucking useless waste of auction that Hero is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know what's funny? If, I would laugh my ass off if it turns out that Hero actually does no piloting of any sort when Instral is it. He's just like... That would a, be... He's a blood bank. Something. He's a blood bank. Did you like when, when she... When her uh, demeanor kind of turned quickly when she asked him if he had a problem uh, with her riding with someone else? Yeah, I... I don't know what their relationship is meant to be, though. We've got we've not had nearly enough time to develop that. Do they have any common interests? Do they talk, have they talked in any way that's good to do with anything apart from the notion of freedom or piloting the Franks, which are a bit intertwined? No, their connection is a lot more like physical. Well, physical and um, robotical, mental, mental as well, but not like a built kind of relationship. They, I don't think you could rightly say they have much of a relationship. They just have an attraction. And, you know, perhaps infatuation with one another. It's very strong. But like, but yeah, I mean, they, they are slowly going to build it up. We got some of that this episode, at least, um, which I was appreciative of. Yeah, that's that's true. There were little bits, like, like you say. I just wish that, you know, the other half of this little Perry wasn't such a fucking twerp. Okay, I'll dial that back a bit and I'll be fair. I'll say at least that Hero was willing to let someone else pilot with 002 to save his friends when he was outright yeah. refused. I wish they'd been more stern in conveying that he couldn't do it. I, I'm still not convinced that 002 literally couldn't have just taken him and gone out and piloted the robot as, you know, with him. I mean, she's got the pass. She can go where she wants. Take him. Go. Off. What are they going to do? That was a noble thing for him to do. And it gave the opportunity for Mitsuru to establish his shittiness. So uh, don't regret the goody two shoes act later. Ha ha ha. I just wanted to strangle him. <laughs> I'll be fair and say that there is a grain of truth to Mitsuru's at words there, in that Hero is going to regret that later, but he's going to regret it for selfish reasons, and he's going to have to deal with that. Yeah, no, that's you're you're totally right. You're totally right. It's just shut the fuck up and do your job, Mitsuru. Yeah. 
he <laughs> and Mixru could indeed have come across differently in how in about this. Like he could have literally said to his partner, "I'm only doing this because it's necessary." Yeah, exactly. No, but no, he's got to be like the human embodiment of that Gotenks walking animation from Dragon Ball Fighters. You, you know, <laughs> you know what's funny though. We didn't know. I didn't really know next to nothing about Mixru before this. His words and actions would have actually fit a lot better if it was Zarame doing it instead. Well, Zarame is just not very calculating. Like he's he's very brash. Like I'm better than you. Like I'm king of the world. Whatever. That's the way Mitsuru phrases it, though. I'm better than Hero. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, I guess, but he's he's just a lot more calculating. Mm. Uh, I I feel like the way that he. I mean, you see him in other episodes, but like. Yeah, up to this point, he hasn't, like, put himself out there very much. But, um, but yeah, I think he just is meant to be a more rational, cold, um, I keep using the word calculating over and over, but, like, that's just the sense I got from, from him, where he kind of made his proclamation mid-episode about giving up on Hero, and then, like, jump ship as soon as he saw the opportunity hmm. uh, to better his own situation. Yeah, it felt, it just didn't, it didn't necessarily feel like a move uh, Zorome would make. Mm. All right, fair enough. It, now, now about being better than Hero, like, yes, absolutely. Mm. Like, I can totally see Zor. I mean, Zorome said as much, but I just, I don't think, Zorome, where I think we're meant to think is sort of boastful, it believes in himself to a fault, but he's not like, He's not someone who would abandon his partner. Yeah. And so, that, yeah, this is where, like, I think... You're his, right, you're right. The characters are a little distinct. Hmm. They do look alike, though. They look like they might be brothers. So, in the end, I'm about the same as where I left off in episode, at the end of episode two. I have nothing really new to add. The show is, if nothing else, consistent. And I'm hoping and praying to whatever deity will listen that it will improve. Or rather, that... It's doing all this deliberately as a prelude to a fall, perhaps. Maybe something really bad happens that makes the, makes them change, forces them to change. Maybe they grow and mature as people. Because I, again, have to keep dialing back every time I get angry uh, the way these people act. With the exception of heroes, self-recognized, I'm. this is what I should do, but fuck that noise moment. I keep having to remember that these are kids, and kids should be allowed to make mistakes in narrative. They're not fully formed adults. Help most fully formed adults in narratives and in general still make mistakes and learn from them. It's part of what makes a good narrative that people can be allowed to stumble, but they will write themselves and realize why they've stumbled in the first place. So, with Mitsuru getting his just desserts by having 002 basically, you know, drink him dry for lack of a better term, <laughs> I am actually okay with that happening because, not just because, well, he fucking deserved it, but also because. Maybe he will learn from this. Maybe he'll have a proper heart-to-heart with people when he's done. And maybe Hero will change as well. Now he's going to have, you know, a bit more wariness around 002. Maybe he'll eventually, hopefully, apologize to Ichigo before the window on that closes and it's too fucking late. Who knows? There's still a chance for things to change. Or rather, this is intended all along and it will develop from there. And that's what I'm hoping for. But in the end, in the end... To conclude, I am going to give this show, or rather this episode so far, two out of five S-rank passes. Okay. Frank's calm. Enemy within. <laughs> Just had to say it. Uh, so, 
how do I feel about this episode? How do I feel about this episode? I think that there is potential still, despite the issues that we've talked about, the lack of information being chief among them, uh, and I guess co-chief being the when it wants to really push hard on the heteronormative buttons you could be reminded of that afresh but those are always there in the background waiting for you to think about them and feel kind of bad but like despite all that like i think that there is in these three episodes a ground has been laid for some potentially interesting character dynamics and that's what i'm here for i want to see ikuno and mitsuru have their reunion i want to see Ichigo and Goro and Hiro have sort of tension, sexual tension, frustration. I want to see Zero Two come in like a bowling ball and fuck shit up. Yes, yes. I want to get some more out of more of these characters. There's still several of the pilots that haven't really had a lot of time to shine. You know, Zorame endeared himself to me more this episode. And then they could start, you never know when they'll start giving us tidbits about the world. So that's something to possibly look forward to. For me, there's enough there that is intriguing that I feel a lot better about sticking with it this time. I am going to give episode three of Darling in the Franks 2.8 unnecessary pigtails out of five. 2.8? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, am I missing something? Because that's awfully specific. Well... I, it's better than average, but I just don't know that I can bring myself to give it a three. Ah, I see. I'm with you. So, uh, we have mentioned before that if Frags really goes off the rails, we will uh, can it, so to speak. But that's not happening. We will be back next week, folks. We're going to return. We're going to talk about episode four. I will probably find something else to have a right good chuckle at at the show's expense. Don't you worry. I mean, I don't get paid for it, but it is my job. So there we go. <laughs> but before then, we must always, of course, sign off, and to which I will pass the mic to Doc. Doc, on this strange, weird plane of digital existence known as the internet, where can people look you up? Well, if you're brave enough to venture into Twitter, you can <laughs> find me at, <laughs> at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Please hit me up to talk about the Franks or other animes and the like. You can also ask me a question at curiouscat.me slash the subtle doctor if you want to ask a question or receive a reply potentially longer than 280 characters. Nice, nice. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Shaden1010. Uh, feel free to sit up there if you want to discuss Land of the Lustrous and also to agree with the universal truth that Phosphophilite is the best character in that show. I'll not hear any argument against it. I will fight people in the streets over this. <laughs> I've got no, I've got no, I haven't seen enough to, to argue against you. I'm with you so far. Good man. It's <laughs> for your benefit as much as it is for mine. But also I will be on curiouscat.me forward slash shaded. So again, feel free to drop me some hot fire questions there. Uh, again, feel free to ask me who my favorite land of the lustrous character is and why is it phosphophilite? And I'll say, because it's phosphophilite, motherfuckers. Cinnabon, though. Cinnabon's pretty good. They're all great. But that's a different podcast for a different time. So, with that, ladies... Cinnabar, I mean. Not <laughs> actually Cinnabon. That was meant to be a joke. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all a very good night. Embrace each other, everyone, until the ends of the universe. And until next week, see you then. Mwah. Mm-hmm.